my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. I am your host, Julie Turney, and joining me today, my one of my fellow Barbadian HR colleagues, the HR boss herself, Ms. Jamila Hollingsworth. Jamila, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. You're doing okay? Yeah, just a bit tired, but um, this is a difficult time for all HR people, uh, I'm sure that a lot of us aren't getting any sleep right now. Absolutely. We definitely are having some very challenging times um, going through COVID-19. But I wanted to have you here today to kind to have a conversation with you that I, I feel like is necessary for us to have. Um, as a young HR professional, um, aspiring and moving in different circles, especially as you move into politics and different things like that. I just want to help our audience appreciate that being an HR professional is not the end all or the begin all. There's more to us than that. And so with that, I'm going to ask you our first question. Tell us your HR origin story. How did you get into HR? I really love reading your story and hearing you tell this story. Okay, so ideally, when I came out of sixth form, uh, I went to Commonwealth School, I wanted to be an attorney. So I actually left sixth form at 17, and I went straight into law school at UK Phil. After about a year, I realized that I was more of a limer. And I felt HR, you know, it was a social science, I thought it was easier than law, that was, that was the perception, um, looking on. So I went and I my fast self, I transferred to do an HR program at Mona. It was not offered at Cave Hill at the time. Mm-hmm. So 17-year-old me packs up my stuff um, after a year of Cave Hill, and I moved to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Best decision of my life. Wow. Um, I was enrolled in program there. It, at the time, it was 17 of us in class. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, it took 17 people in the Caribbean. And... Um, Part of the component for us to graduate was to actually do an HR internship. Okay. I interned at PwC um, in Jamaica. Okay. That's Price Waterhouse, right? Waterhouse Coopers, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I did my internship in PwC in Kingston. And again, the best experience of my life with Dr. Andre Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I had to make a decision if I was going to stay in Jamaica and practice HR, which I did for another another year okay then I came home and I went straight into HR so I was lucky in terms of getting into HR right after school because my school actually had a component like a co-op where Mm. we had to do an internship in HR HR. okay okay I think more eastern Caribbean schools should apply that model because getting into HR is extremely difficult yeah um but we kind of had a leg up because we had to do an internship. So the school actually made provisions for it. Right. Um, so yeah, so 
from then I've been working in HR from hospitality to banking and now in tourism. Awesome. Now, what is the sum now of your um, years in HR? Because, yeah, I could still look at you and say you're still 17. So <laughs> in totality, I think it's over eight years in HR, right, that you have? Eleven. Eleven, 11 years now. See what I'm saying? Time really, really flies. And with that time that you have been in the HR space, you've made other decisions with regards to your career. Um, what are some of those decisions that you've made with regards to your HR, your HR career? Okay, that's a good question. So most recently, I've decided to go into employment law, mm-hmm. which means that I would have to be a legal practitioner in order to fully litigate on behalf of my clients. So, so does that mean you've gone full circle? That's correct. Oh, wow. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Yeah, that's the irony. Um, (laughs) The law library that you did not enjoy at first, you now need. No, I live in. Um, (laughs) So I am back in law school and I am planning to go the full course. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually a full-time law student and I also work full-time. So um, it's rough, but it's necessary to have, I felt like in the space, they weren't, there are a lot of people doing employment law mm-hmm. and representing workers mm-hmm. that don't know HR. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of know the ERA, but yeah. they don't really understand what HR managers, people don't respect the profession of HR enough, I think, in the Eastern mm-hmm. Caribbean. Yeah. And always at the tribunal, it seems as though these attorneys, they kind of have, they're more respected than us mm-hmm. when we come to present our submission. Yeah. So. I think it's last year during quarantine, I kind of made a decision, called the faculty, and I was like, yeah, I could come back because <laughs> uh, I made a decision, you know, there's need for HR people to be represented in the legal space yeah. in employment law. And um, if I can make that happen, I, I will sacrifice five years of my life to make it happen. Awesome. So how are you finding it so far? I don't sleep. Um, school is 20 hours a week. Okay. And that's just classes and tutorials because I'm a full-time student. Yes. And I also work um, a full-time role. I am an HR manager. Mm-hmm. I, manage it, I manage offices in five different countries. Right. And some of those countries, the time zone is five hours ahead. Right. So it's, it's very demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm working seven days a week because of um, COVID results backlog. So. Yeah. It's challenging for me. And on top of that, I run my own business. So um, time management really is key. And if I'm really particular about being on time. Right. And that's very important because I think that at any stage in anyone's career, when you decide to make a shift, um, having a proper plan in place is definitely key. But it's I find it almost serendipitous on your part that where you started and then shifted that you're now going back into. But I really understand and I feel like the, there's great importance for it because as you rightly said, um, HR professionals are not respected um, in the Caribbean when it comes to dealing with matters at the tribunal level. Um, and even before things get to this stage of tribunal, um, getting that proper legal advice Um, One of the challenges I think that we have, um, that I've experienced in my time 
as an HR professional is when you make a call to the labor office or you make a call to um, the Employers Confederation or somewhere and you are asking for advice and you talk to one person, you get one set of advice and you call and you again to verify that advice and get a different set of advice from someone else. And the lack of consistency that exists there um, really is very depressing almost. Um, whereas when you seek legal advice, when you're paying for it, um, you get consistent advice across the board. What advice would you give to our our legal, our labor departments, our confederations across the Caribbean um, and labor offices across the Caribbean when it comes to supporting the HR departments in organizations, because they, they, they play a very, very important role. They're not only supporting employees, but they're also supporting employers, um, especially in the labor departments. What advice would you give them at, with regards to that in terms of giving misadvice or double advice? standards of advice um, you can never get consistent advice never what advice would you give i would tell them to keep the same energy that they keep with our legal practitioner colleagues with us i think the lack of respect is the on this that's the hallmark um i think people have a perception that hr is the the we're the cheerleaders of the organization and our main role is recruitment and engagement but Compliance and regulatory compliance is a major part of our role. Mm -hmm. If we don't do contracts properly, we don't follow the pro a proper disciplinary process, we, that's how we end up before the tribunal, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think from them not supporting us, mm -hmm. by helping us to understand changes in legislation, understand um, maybe cases that are passed or cases that are at the appeal level and mm -hmm. kind of explain to us the legal jargon or explain to us what is happening and how we should function as HR managers or HR practitioners. I think if they would kind of hold forums where we feel comfortable asking questions and, and explaining the jargon to us that we will do a better job as HR practitioners, mm -hmm. oftentimes we operate based on what we think we know yeah, or what we see in press mm -hmm. or what BC sends out in a newsletter, right? Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think that we should have like a one-on-one -on -one with the people who actually hear the cases yeah. or the labor officers. I don't even think the labor officers themselves actually have like, a, like full knowledge yeah. of what is expected of us or what is expected of them. Mm -hmm. So I, don't, I just think it's lack of information across the board. Mm -hmm. and so from going to the actual cases or going to actual hearings, I feel like when the employee brings a legal representative versus an HR practitioner who knows the labor law inside out, mm -hmm. I feel like they're 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 given favor. Yes, if they bring a HR advisor, a, a legal advisor rather mm -hmm. than a legal advisor. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what we can do locally or regionally to get the HR profession respected, but something will happen. Yeah. <laughs> The legal profession is a highly respected profession. Yeah. Whether you are a QC or if you're straight, if you just pass the bar, people mm -hmm. have a certain level of respect for you in your profession. But I find mm -hmm. as an HR practitioner, even when you've attained all of your certifications, I find people still kind of like try to go around you. I don't know what is the Bayesian term to say that. People try to... They circumvent the process. Yeah, people try mm -hmm. to undermine the advice yeah. that you're giving them or people tend to berate you and say that you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I don't know, Julie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have a wide platform. Um, 
you host this HR locally mm-hmm. and you have a big network, but I don't know what can be done to kind of raise the level yeah. and awareness in the profession. Well, it's definitely a conversation that we need to start having and maybe this is something we could talk about at a different stage in terms of how we move that forward. But I, I definitely agree with you that that's something that we definitely need to take a look at, at how we move that agenda forward because in order for us to reduce the amount of cases that go to tribunal and get that respect that we deserve, then there, there is something that needs to be merged in order for us to do this better and get this done better. So I agree with that. What advice would you give to um, HR professionals, young upcoming HR professionals um, trying to get into the space? You mentioned that had it not been for the experience that you had, it really is difficult to get in the profession. I think that that's the case um, pretty much more so in the Caribbean than it would be globally. Um, Jobs are always opening the HR space um, internationally, but very few so in the Caribbean. What advice would you give to HR professionals who are up and coming aspiring, trying to get into the profession right now? Okay, um, you are absolutely right. Um, Regionally, I think HR is seen as, you know, you have to be like a more mature people thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's still very much looked at as personal administration Mm -hmm. and um, people have preconceived notions of what HR manager looks like or what HR manager should be. So my advice for younger people, um, see if you could job shadow possibly. Mm-hmm. So in your third year or when you leave school, see if you could volunteer your help, your, your services for free. Yeah. And people don't really decline free help. No, uh, so once you volunteer your services for free, you kind of get experience in the field of HR. Mm-hmm. See if you, and that helps you to see if you even really like HR and decide where you can make a sound decision on if you want to pivot or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing if you are already in HR at a level, let's say HR assistant, or maybe associate level, um, going up to middle management is another fight. So even once you get your foot in the door in a very entry level position, for some reason, getting to that HR advisor or HR business partner level is a fight. It took me about, it didn't it take me two and a half years. Mm-hmm. But still, it's still a fight for most of the friends that I have. Yeah. Um, so you, you want to make sure that you upskill, mm-hmm. even when you get your foot through the door, your bachelor's may not be enough. You may need to go and get your certification. Um, if you, um, can, if you can afford it, go and get your master's, um, probably in a different area, not necessarily HR, but right. you want to be a full business person. Yes. Well, um, mm-hmm. exactly. And you want to make sure that you understand how the, the department runs and how the business runs. And that right. kind of gives people some respect for you. Mm-hmm. My master's is actually in uh, finance. So um, I think when I got my master's, people at my workplace was like, yeah, okay, the little girl understands business. She understands finance. So I think I moved from, uh, I moved to HRBP mm-hmm. at 24. So mm-hmm. it was pretty quick. And then after you reached kind of that middle management, it's tough to get to the manager level. I, I don't know your experience, Julie. I mean, yeah. this is, Caribbean, but it took me probably like five and a half years after that. Yeah. From middle management to senior management. Senior management. Um, and even at the senior management level, when you go to management meetings or executive management meetings, it's not, it's like you're not given the same level of respect. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a different level of proving yourself. Yeah. You got to skill yourself in terms of, you know, how, how to speak the business jargon, how to make business presentations, how to manage uh, million dollar budgets, um, how to do sales. Yeah. Because although you're seen as a non-revenue generating arm of the company, which is expense. So you have to figure out how can I add value to the organization or how can I support employees who add value to the organization? Mm -hmm. So my advice is at every level, see how you can develop your personal and professional skills Mm -hmm. and see how you can understand and add value at every single level in order to get to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. I think it was rambling, but I hope I... No, no, not at all. And you made perfect sense because as you gave your career trajectory, what would have been short, shorter periods for you has been longer for a lot of people. There are some people who have spent their entire career at the administrative level and, and haven't made it any further for whatever reason. Right. Um, and, a, and a lot of, again, politics at play um, sometimes um, in these cases as well, especially in the Caribbean. Um, but you do have to end up spending a lot of time proving yourself. But I think you mentioned a couple of things that are very key that I also recommend, but understanding the business of the business. How does the business run? How does the business make money? How does the business lose money? Being able to interpret your data, because while organizations do not see HR as a cost, as a cost center that actually makes money, we really do make money. And as a, when you think about it, we make the most money because when you think about the money that we save employers in legal battles, um, because we've handled employee relations in a positive way and we've helped people um, elevate and grow in their careers and we've given people what they need by putting proper career plans in place, instead of having frustrated employees, um, the money that we save employers from legal battles is tremendous. If you think about any particular disciplinary matter that could go to court and cost an organization millions of dollars at the end of the day, we save that. And when you think about how we go about our recruiting and how, how strategic we are in our recruiting processes, and putting proper learning and development programs in place, we do save our companies a lot of money. So while we don't necessarily make money, we save you thousands of dollars. And by being helping employees to be engaged, employee engagement on a whole is, is a whole spectrum of, of ways that um, we save um, that bottom line and help employees to feel like they have purpose in organizations. So I agree with you 100%, Jamila we really do have to focus on these things. And if people focus on these things and they show their worth and they show up in these ways, um, it really will bring um, great respect to the profession. But there are a lot of us, unfortunately, that just don't do that, which is the unfortunate piece of the journey. And we all get painted with the same brush. And so um, those of us who want to be admin, and keep that mindset, it does take a little, little longer for, for those to move forward. And then we miss out on the people who really do want to move forward, like yourself and, and your colleagues that you, you mentioned before. So you said you wear three hats. You're a student, you are an employee, you are also an employer. So tell us a little bit about your Jamila, the employer, 
and what that looks like. As I said, um, for those of you who would not know Jamila, um, Jamila actually runs a business here in, in Barbados throughout the Caribbean, it's called the HR Boss. And so she's gonna tell us a little bit about, about that as well. Right, so um, I was running a business for four to five years. Um, a lot of people know me from HR Boss, but I also do crisis management. Um, <laughs> so I do a lot of crisis management and PR for political clients specifically, Great. or high profile individuals in their careers. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of um, high profile career persons that get themselves into trouble that they shouldn't. And uh, my job is basically to clean up your image so that it doesn't ruin your career. Sounds very Olivia Pope to me. That's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> But they call me real life all the people. So I started in about 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, my first client was a political client, and he actually won his seat. And he, he that's the his seat was the the um, it was never won by that party in 62 years, wow. right? Mm -hmm. um, that was huge because um, no the no ruling party never held that seat in 62 years. It's always been held by the opposing party. Mm -hmm. After that, after that win, we started to get more clients regionally um, wanting to consult in terms of managing their clients. So mm -hmm. in the last elections, we would have worked with um, some with a candidate from Tobago. Okay. And um, the most recent um, we held Jamaica elections, we would have consulted with a, a candidate on the PMP. Cool. They lost, but still. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's really where my passion is. Uh huh. Um, so in terms of politics, I don't want to get into active politics, but I'm more, I kind of like the strategy behind it, like planning uh -huh. demographics and helping people and creating projects. Right. Um. So that's what we do. So the HR boss has a crisis management site. Mm -hmm. The other side is we help individuals to kick butt in their careers. Mm hmm. And they help companies that can't afford an HR person with their regular series side of things. Right. Um, there are eight persons employed at HR Boss. I am no longer the CEO. Okay. The, I'm, a, I'm the founder, but right. I'm no longer the CEO. I have to step down because of school. Right. Um, but I still play an active role in terms of business development. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they're doing an amazing job in terms of engagement and getting content. Oh, not in right. the way that I would be, but yeah. Amazing job, right? Um, right. But running a business in the Caribbean is not a sweet bread, as you say in Barbados. No. It's not easy, no. and sometimes the way how we do things, Julie, you are more you you understand forward thinking HR. Mm -hmm. That might come under pushback from oh, I gotta be so careful from stalwarts who yeah. would have who believe that they would have created what HR is yeah. in Eastern Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, I'm not sure about your experience, but I got a lot of pushback from people because mm -hmm. the way that I was going to about it is not, wasn't the blueprint that people expected. Mm -hmm. um, I still get pushback because yeah. it's not the blueprint that people expected. Mm -hmm. They never achieve a success by following the blueprint that people expected. Exactly. Um, I always got success from doing me and yeah. um doing me consistently excellent mm -hmm. excellently mm -hmm. so 
and um, unapologetically. Unapologetically. Mm-hmm. So I personally, I just turned 31 and I don't think that I would have achieved or be where I am today if I had set the blueprint that was set before me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look back at people that went to class with me at HR, Mona, most of them are either stuck in middle management or at entry level. And mm-hmm. I don't think I would have gotten where I am today without pushing the boundaries or pushing, yeah. breaking outside of the mold that people set before you. Because mm-hmm. some people set that mold to keep you behind keep them. Down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. Right. Mm -hmm. For me, success is doing you. It could only be one Julie. It's only even if people try to well, like copy you or imitate what you do or look up to you in a way that they start to do things similar to you. Mm -hmm. People fall in love with your vibe, um, the way you engage, the way you connect with people. You have a natural way of forming relationships and networking. I don't have that gift, Mm -hmm. right? I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So am I. <laughs> I'm an introvert. You're not. <laughs> if people come to me, yeah, I will talk, but I'm not the, the person. Exactly. Going out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not, unless I get paid, I'm not the person to be out there. <laughs> Meeting and greeting my circle. Yeah. The same type of circle that I have from a child. Um, so I'm really not a new friends kind of girl, but mm-hmm. uh, I think, um, oh gosh, I don't even know if I'm rambling. But I think excellently is is debatable. Yeah. Yeah. I wanna I wanna say that when you think about HR, a lot of times, especially in the Caribbean, we think about legislation, we think about administration. And for me, HR has always been about people. It's always been about the experience that I create whenever I enter an organization and the people that I touch. It's about understanding them and what makes them tick that helps the business to grow. And if we all understand the business then, and we're all doing the jobs that fulfill us, then the business will grow, right? And just like you, I got a lot, a lot of pushback. And down to this day, I still get a lot of pushback. But because I've remained consistent, as you said, and been intentional about it, the reverse of what used to happen before, which was, no, we're not ready for that. No, we're fine with how things have been done. We've always done things this way. Now I get, Julie, we need forward thinking HR. We need you. We need, we need you to look at this. We need you to do that. And that only happens when people can, you are consistent and people continue to follow your journey and they realize, okay, she's not changed. This is the, and this is what we need. We don't need administration one of the comments that I remember reading in I think it was an article that you did in Luke I think it was sometime last year where you talked about the future of work being more technology and as we start to automate things more we recognize that what we need more in the workplace is a human-centric HR we don't need process-driven HR we can come up with processes and implement them and be done with that. But the people-centric side of what we do is what saves the money, makes the money, brings people to the organization when they look at you and they see you and they go, I want to work in that organization because that's how their HR works. I want to be a part of that. 
and that's those are the things that you look to and that you you strive to aspire to so yes i i agree with you 100 where that is concerned so what advice would you give again to our listeners who are in the hr space but not feeling fulfilled in their role what would you advise them in terms of how they go forward in this new era of COVID and, and on this, all the uncertainty that lies with it? What advice would you give? I'm not an expert. That, I thought you, that would be an excellent way to point them to your HR heart. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But everybody, everybody's got advice. <laughs> yeah, but me personally, um, I've been reaching out to a lot of colleagues about how they're managing and a lot of people's emotional bandwidth is, is really low. Because yeah. employees are pulling on you, managers are pulling on you to be mm-hmm. strong organization right um i think you know is a good time to reevaluate what is your purpose not just in your organization but in terms of your career yeah. if you really don't love hr no can really be a test for you if you mm-hmm. don't belong in the hr profession you're gonna know it no and yeah. early last year i kind of knew okay yeah um mm-hmm. my calling is this is it's still kind of HR, but it's more the legal profession, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I'm a person that I pivot easily. I kind of pivoted easily and transitioned. Mm-hmm. But you have to accept, I'm made up to be an HR person. I'm agile. I can deal with people. Um, you know, I'm good for the company and this company is good for me or I'm mm-hmm. good for this profession and this profession is good for me. Right. And if you're not, you have to be honest enough with yourself because don't get me wrong, there are a lot of HR people that don't belong to HR. Oh, yes. A lot of HR oh, people yes. who are Many. That shouldn't have the title HR yes. professional Should or not. HR manager. So you have to be honest with yourself and do an evaluation and say, yo, I've been unhappy in this space for a very long time. You know, I might feel more fulfilled in mm-hmm. finance or I might feel more fulfilled doing communications and PR. Mm-hmm. And it's never too late to pivot. Never. There are 18-year-olds in my class. Of, if, if I, feel, I Of course, I feel foolish sometimes. Yeah. But you have to be truthful to who you are and what you're about because we only have one life to live. And if it is that you are going to be un- unhappy for 50 years of your working life, I mean, that's a decision that you would have to make. But I'm going to challenge people to really evaluate in this time now that we're home and um, we're probably, this is probably the toughest work situations we'll ever have to face. You really can see if you are cut out to be an HR professional or if you are cut out for another line of work and maybe you can make a pivot. So my challenge for you is to be very critically evaluate what your performance is and if this is the profession for you. Yeah. And if it's not, seek, seek, seek out what is and make a pivot into it definitely thank you so much for sharing that advice and i know that a lot of people right now um, definitely are looking for what's next so um, i hope that they will be able to take something from what you've said and and move forward with that so jamila tell us what are you reading watching listening to right now that you think our audience would benefit from I'm reading a lot of books right now. Um, <laughs> my, last, my last book, um, my last two books. Uh, I know, I know how she does it. It's a book on how successful women make the most of their time. The time management, but this is really good. It has actual 
uh, demonstrations of how to structure your week and your and second one I really like Jen Sonero and I'm reading you're a badass at making money and I also have um the first edition which is you're a badass at life so uh-huh. I'm reading two of these and uh-huh. management one because I need time management yeah awesome so tell us what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? We're not personnel managers. We, we just don't know filing and recruitment and planning staff parties. Um, that's the least of what we do. That's very surface. Um, HR really has to understand the strategic goals of the business in order to plan for how we're going to manage the human capital in the business. Mm-hmm. If the capital does not operate at maximum efficiency, you ain't going to make the profits that you want to make. People will skimp on work. People will do just enough to get paid and go home. Yep. So our role is understanding strategic goals. Our role is critically studying every employee and making sure what are their weaknesses? What are their strengths? How can we develop that employee? How can we retain them? Because recruitment is one thing, but retention is a different animal. Yes. Right? And to see who fits the organization and who does not and be able to make tough decisions on if, if it isn't a fit, how do we transition the person out of the organization? Mm-hmm. So the, the misconceptions I want people to know is that HR people don't work easy. Um, we're not just here for personal administration, filing and payroll. It's a critical thinking profession and you have to have an enormous amount of empathy. So it ain't, it's not just being a cheerleader and planning staff parties and picnics. Yeah. You always have to be on. As an HR manager, you cannot have an off day. Nope. So you can't come in the organization and you have personal problems and you feel down, people are still going to bring their problems to your door. Mm-hmm. So I want people to understand that it takes a giant of a person to be so, to put their self last and to put their organization and their employees first every single day. Absolutely. I think you just summed it up very well for us in terms of that very big misconception that a lot of people have about our profession. So thank you so much for that. So tell us what's next for Jamila. Other than finishing my degree and my LEC, um, to be honest with you, I would really like to move into um, the diplomatic space. I had stints, two stints in DC, mm-hmm. one working with the U.S. Department of State, where I would have worked at Capitol Hill. And I really enjoyed that. And then I had another stint at IDB in 2019. Um, and I really enjoyed that stint. So mm-hmm. I think the next step for me is the diplomatic space or both a combination of the legal employment space and the diplomatic space, because there is a yellow and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's racing myself going. Okay. Well, wherever you go, Jamila, we wish you all the best and every success. I know that whatever you put your hand to, you are determined to succeed and you definitely will. So we we look forward to seeing what happens next for you. Thank you very much, Julie. Thanks for having me. You're doing a fantastic job. 
Thank um, you. So you are HR practitioner, you're probably here if you're an HR practitioner and you're stuck uh, and you pretty much want to figure out how to get to the next level, um, Julie's your girl with HR Heart. Thank you so much. That, that's definitely right. Can you tell our people where they can find you on social media? On socials, um, at the HR boss on everything. Uh, my uh, diplomacy page is uh, Olivia Pope in real life. Ah, okay. Got it. So you know where to find Jamila if you need any advice. For those of you who are here in Barbados and in the region and you're looking for that attorney who is going to support your HR team um, or even in-house um, legal support from an HR perspective, then look out for Jamila Hollins where she is on her way to taking over um, that space and helping us to grow and understand the legalities of what is um, legislation created out there and how we can best support our organizations from a legal perspective. So please stay tuned for that. Failing that, you're going to see diplomat Jamila Hollins were um, driving around in her CD car because that's what they are here in Barbados, the Mart CD. <laughs> so look out for that. But yes, thank you so much for joining us today. And we... And we look forward to hearing more about you and from you. Alrighty, bye Julie, bye everyone. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found the information in this episode really useful. You can follow HR Sound Off on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and also be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks to Anchor FM for helping me put this information together for you and our sponsors, Hire Tool. And I will see you again when we next sound off.